Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Well, alrighty. Welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 80. Well, as much as I hate to risk timestamping these these podcasts and, and making them dated, I can't help myself. Uh, Happy New Year, and welcome to the first Songs and Stories of 2010. I'm almost used to saying 2010. I'm not quite used to writing it yet. Uh, 2010 still seems like it's light years away, and in, I don't know, I guess a few years back it was. But uh, Happy New Year, and welcome to 2010 and the first Songs and Stories of the Year. Um, 2009 was a great music year for me. I played, uh, our band played a lot of cool places, played with, and I played with a lot of different people, did a lot of solo work, and it's just did a lot of different stuff, and really ended up with enough new songs, probably for the next CD, which I'm holding off on for a while. So, uh, 2009 was good for me, and it was good for a lot of people, and I hope it was good for you as well. So, let's move on to 2010 and just keep that momentum going. So we're going to kick off the first Songs of Stories of 2010 with an interview with Dorian Michael, a mostly instrumental guitar player from Paso Robos, California, whom I've almost met a couple of times. Um, almost, I say. Last summer, uh, Fiddling Cricket Productions, the Canyon Acoustic Society, and Sandy Fry Productions started a concert series at the Ugly Mug Cafe on Wednesdays in SoCal, California. And our band played one night, and Dorian, I think, played the following Wednesday. And for some reason, we never crossed paths there. And then I was supposed to play down in Paso Robos, where Dorian lives, actually, at a local venue a couple of months ago, and, and that fell through. So we haven't met, but we've talked on the phone several times, and I'll finally be able to meet him at Jensen's Music, where you can see him play at the end of the month. He'll be there on Friday, January 29th at uh, probably 7, 7.30, something like that. Uh, you can reach them at 831-724-4798. You can also contact um, the Kenyan Acoustics Society, who's actually putting this on, at uh, kenyanguitars at hotmail.com. Or you can go to my site, michaelgaither.com, and all the information is up there under the nesting heading of Songs and Stories 80. Well, Dorian is one of those guys who plays mainly instrumental guitar music, and as you'll find out in this interview, I'm always fascinated by people like that because I'm more of a word-driven guy. I like story songs, and lyrics always drive my songs, and in Dorian's case, it's melody, and you'll, as you'll learn in this interview, he's a, a real historian of several musical styles, and I think we're going to hear lots of examples of those at Jensen Music. So what I'm going to do is, because this interview is so long and because I'm still in denial that I'm getting the sore throat my wife has, but I still have a pain in the back of my throat. I'm going to keep my talking a little short. Let you hear a few things um, off Dorian's last couple of CDs and give you an example of some of the different styles he plays. And then we'll have a nice long chat with Dorian about what's going to happen at the show and uh, just kind of his background a little bit. Let's hear, oh, I've got like a, a nice pile of CDs and several diverse styles in front of me. Let's hear... Um, oh, let's see. Here's a nice take on Hard Times Come Again No More, the Stephen Foster song off Dorian's solo album called Sycamore Creek. And then we'll hear a little bit of uh, 
Rock Me Baby off Dorian Sings the Blues. And as you learn in this interview, Dorian only sings when he sings the blues. And then we'll hear a little bit of a kind of a bouncy little tune called Little Rabbit, which is done by Dorian and Kenny Blackwell on Bandolin. And at the Jensen Show, it's going to be Dorian and Kenny as a duo. So you'll get a kind of a taste of what that show is going to be like. So let's hear uh, a few samples of Dorian Michael, and then we'll talk to Dorian on the phone um, at his home down in Paso Robos.
Now, what's the weather like down there today? Are you getting like matter a matter of fact? It's sunny and bright. Yeah, we had rain a few days ago, uh -huh. and we've got it coming back. But it's cold, but it's sunny. So for you know my friends living in North Dakota, where it's like zero. I was just thinking that. Fifty. You know, I bu I'm working. I'm, I'm at home this morning, and I bundled up. You know, with the little beanie, and I'm thinking it's it's cold, but it's California cold. It's like fifty. <laughs> and I have yeah. I have friends and family in Colorado who are shov shoveling seven sure. feet of snow. And sure. when they call, how oh it's it's freezing out here. It's like fifty degrees. And like I don't want to really want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was uh, when I woke up this morning. It was it was uh, thirty two degrees. Mm -hmm. And I and and I like you say wow it's freezing. There's yeah. frost on the ground. And and then I check and see how my friends in North Dakota are doing. You know, it's like minus thirty. Yeah. I'm not gonna complain. Yeah. <laughs> I know when you hear minus thirteen, your your bones just ache hearing that number. Like I don't know what that feels like. I don't either. I've never been in minus thirteen. It's it, 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 it's a it's a it's kind of a concept to me, but it's not a reality. Right. I know it exists. I you believe can't it exists. In, in in North Dakota in the winter, I can't. I'm a California driver. Yeah. So 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 I don't really know what what that feels like. Do I need to know? I, I'm not and sure. Plus, can you imagine California drivers in minus 13 degree weather? I mean, Highway 17 here, we get a dusting of snow and people just freak. <laughs> so, oh, I, you know, when people talk about ice, mm -hmm. I think, well, what would I, what would I do yeah. if, if I found myself on an icy highway? Yeah. What cracks me up here, especially going over 17, which is what I, what I drive in the morning sometimes, is... Which is probably more dangerous than an icy highway. Icy highway. Could be. I think I'm just used to it. But, you know, the, the, the snow, and we had black ice a couple of weeks ago, and mm. I think it really freaked people out. And they actually slowed down, mm. you know, because they hear black ice, and they just don't know how to, how to react to it, which is good. Yeah. You know, people actually drove safely for two days, mm. you know, but let the rain come, people they are back going 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Fresh yeah. rain. That's the thing about California drivers. They speed up in the rain. Uh-huh. Other yeah. states don't, they don't do that. They actually slow down in the rain. Yeah. But so we don't know what to do with rain. I know. It's, I mean, we, we, we don't get any of it, so we don't really know. What is that stuff? It's, it's odd. We used to get rain. Anyway. It's an odd state. It is. Known, for instance, we're known for being liberal, but we keep, but we give you Schwarzenegger, Reagan, and Nixon for governors, yeah. but everybody in the Midwest says, oh, you come from the land of fruits and nuts. Uh-huh. I remind them that we gave them Nixon and Reagan, and we'd be more than glad to give them Schwarzenegger well, I think it if I they think, want to change I, the Constitution. I think it's for balance, you know. We, we, they think we're liberal, but we hire these anyway. Yeah, it's a balance <laughs> thing. It's a balance thing. <laughs> so for people who don't know, you're, you're down at Paso Robos, which is about a little over two hours south of the Monterey Bay Area, and are you, are you native Californian? It sounds like I am. Okay. The guy's got to be from somewhere. Yeah. Well, most people I know in California are from somewhere else. I'm one of the few people around here that actually, my wife and I actually were born and raised here in the same town, which is like, which is kind of unusual. Which, are you, were you born and raised in Watsonville? Watsonville. Actually, Watsonville, yeah. I gotta uh, you got to be the only Watsonville native. <laughs> that's, 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 you know, like over 25. Me and our immediate family. Yeah. You know, that's about it. So talking about music, um, I, I think for me, as a guy who comes from, really kind of lyric and writing driven for what I do doing talking to somebody who does primarily instrumental music would you say yes anything that's original for me is instrumental anything yeah. that that has lyrics is a blues tune that I've copped off of somebody else mm -hmm. so I, I, I love to sing blues tunes but but we 
you do in one of your my originals are instrumental. Yeah. So what's a Dorian Michaels show like? Do you cover different styles? Do you talk about the kind of music you're playing? When when I play solo, mm-hmm. uh, and and I do different stuff. So so you know like this, but 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 soloistically, mm-hmm. I would say that it's that's a great word. Percent <laughs> instrumental, mm-hmm. and that's and that of those, I would say that the majority of the stuff is original. Uh huh. And because I grew up as a as a blues guitar player primarily, I mean even as a kid. My dad brought home the 10-inch vinyl record of uh-huh. Josh White, and that that enthralled me. Uh-huh. And was and 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 then he brought home Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Brownie McGee enthralled me, and from that it led to listening to Mance Lipscomb and Lightning Hopkins and those guys. Uh-huh. And not the Piedmont players. I didn't hear Blind Blake and and uh, Willie McTell and Lemon Jefferson. I heard the Texas and Mississippi and Chicago guys. So I did not learn to Travis pick, per se, as a kid. And Chet Atkins was not an influence. He influenced so many other people, so the influence is secondary but I Kinda did not listen to Chet Atkins, and I didn't listen to Merle Travis, and I didn't listen to the Piedmont ragtime players until really, really, really later on. And for folks who might not be guitar players, describe Travis picking. Alternating thumb. Boom, doom, 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 going with your thumb while you play the melody uh, on top of that with your fingers. And so it's as if you had a bass player. A bass player. Mm-hmm. And you put that all into one hand. And that Travis picking style comes from, originally, Merle Travis didn't invent Travis picking per se, he certainly moved it on to and he's a popular thing yeah. and using jazz chords and playing the popular tunes of the day and making it much, much countryfied. Mm-hmm. But it came from the Piedmont Blues guys who came from the Carolinas, Virginia, West Virginia, whatever, Carolinas, Virginia, Georgia, Florida, and they were doing the, the ragtime guitar thing, and we think of that as Piedmont Blues. When it gets countrified and popularized, we think of it as Travis picking, and that led to the Chad Atkins thing. But that was not what interests me. And so, and to this day, though I certainly do plenty of alternating thumb music, mm-hmm. I don't do Chet style, really. And, what is, and describe Chet style. Well, it takes the Merle Travis thing, mm-hmm. and smooths it out a lot. Kind of like smooth jazz takes bebop and makes it kind of danceable and groovy. Mm-hmm. He took the the Travis picking style and made it unfolky. He made oh, it popular. Okay. He played it pristinely. Mm-hmm. He played it smoothly. He took popular tunes of the day, Yellow Bird and things like that, and, and applied. So if Merle Travis did that in, you know, like the 40s or something, mm-hmm. Chet Atkins did it in the 50s and 60s, taking the popular tunes of the day and making guitar instrumentals with a, with a country flavor because of that boom, doom, 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 yeah, boom, bass thing. And I think for me as a, as, a, as a songwriter, really coming from, I guess, a folk Americana sort of perspective, for me, I'm kind of, I don't want to say stuck, but I'm used to that Travis-style picking because to, to write story songs and those kind of lyric-driven songs, 
that style supports it really well, but I haven't really moved past it. And this is why it's in, that's why I love talking to people like you that are really kind of schooled in some of this, this history. It's really well, that that accompaniment style mm-hmm. of of that boom 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 with the thumb mm-hmm. um, and the and the fingers moving in eighth notes. For those people who are just listening here to words, yeah. think of Paul Simon playing the boxer. That kind of guitar motion behind Paul Simon playing the boxer would be some example of that kind of rhythmic motion. And it is pretty much the basis of American folk, whatever that means to people, folk guitar finger picking is that rhythmic pattern, Mm -hmm. less the songs in three, four times. Right. And so it's pervasive. Yeah. It's pervasive because it works, and also it also does emphasize the backbeat. And the backbeat, the accent on the beats two and four, one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, boompa chicka, boompa chicka. That that accent is in all American music, yeah. and it it, it 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 comes from the the fusion of African music and European music in the American South. And Ameri- the music of the American South now, at this point in our modern age, has pervaded the entire world. But because music from the American South is what informs all popular music and folk music and in America, that backbeat, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, you can't dance without the chick if you're an American. Right. So, plus, so, we're, plus we're, we were raised on that stuff, too, so it's part of our DNA. It is. It is. It has been sound and, for a couple hundred years now. Yeah. And so that Travis Pick... Uh, uh, has that it's informed by that and because the 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 the, that kind of guitar style is a combination of all of the stuff american all of the stuff that's afro-american combined with the irish british isles stuff that that infused the appalachians that big mush of afro-american Celtic American, uh, uh, and then and then as it traveled to as all that stuff became a, a little less folky and traveled to places like Minnesota, where you had guys like Leo Kotke. So you had a guy named John Fahey in California mm-hmm. who took the the Piedmont blues thing and added like elements of Bela Bartok and and and, and modernistic dissonance and 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 capital A art and he started doing some modern things to what was a folk picking guitar and guys like Leo Kotke took that impetus and rock and rollized it added a lot of rhythmic momentum and and guys like Leo Kotke said we're not going to go boom chick boom chick so much in the thumb like Merle Travis. We'll be the anti-Merle Travis, and we'll have a lot more complicated, innovative thumb things going on, making huge kind of rock-oriented momentum. And and the young guitar player kids went nuts for it. And there's your modern uh, uh, finger-picking guitar. In, the, in a post-folk way, Leo Kotke leading to, and, and Michael Gulazian, a 
kind of unknown guy. Well, he's known amongst guitar players, right. but he's not famous like Kotke, but he's of that same era, and he's still traveling around all over the place and making records and doing stuff. Michael Gulazian, G-U-L-E-Z-I-A-N. Okay, I'll link them in the He podcast. was doing a lot of tapping harmonic stuff while Kotke was doing this big locomotive train momentum stuff, mm-hmm. and Gulazian was doing some things that started to lead to what we might think of as new age guitar, giving you Michael Hedges, who then get all that Wyndham Hill stuff that we think about, the Will Ackerman, Michael Hedges, uh, um, Alex DeGrasse mm-hmm. thing, which guys like me, who didn't care very much about that new age guitar, but they heard it, we heard it, it got into our consciousness. That stuff began to infuse a little bit into what I would do but my stuff's more rooted in the blues, and even when I'm not playing something that's blues, if I write an original tune, my older original tunes are more of that sort of, quote, contemporary finger-style stuff. Mm-hmm. Lately, I've been writing stuff that is much more bluesy, but it's not sounding like, it's not sounding like folk blues. But, it's, but even my stuff that's not, quote, bluesy, mm-hmm. always, to me, has some blues basis, at least emotionally. There's a bittersweet edge to it or something and 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 the blue stuff that i grew up on was much much rougher mm-hmm. and less technically advanced but more gritty than the east coast stuff because i listened to southern and and southwest stuff and that was true with the electric music too so i play electric guitar and i'm in a blues band called the cinders and i've made some instrumental electric guitar blues stuff under my own name. Mm-hmm. And the blues guys that I grew up with were Talon Wolf, Muddy Waters, Magic Sam, uh, uh, J.B. Hutto and the Hawks, because uh, they'd come to L.A. and we'd see them at the Ashgrove. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and the stuff that, that has more grit. I didn't hear B.B. King until way after I heard all those other guys. And so, so... Where was I? <laughs> so there you go. Blues, oh, so there's that. And then the other thing is that as a kid, I listened to lots of Appalachian and stuff, and I never became a bluegrass flat picker in that way, maybe more like an old-timey guy. Yeah, I think you told and me earlier in an earlier call that you can, you can fake bluegrass when you have to. I can fake bluegrass when I have to, but bluegrass guys would never put me in their band. Mm-hmm. Plus, I rushed the time like crazy. <laughs> they would well, fire me in five minutes because I rushed the time, even before I ever took a solo. But I play a lot of flat eclecticism mm-hmm. with a mandolinist named Kenny Blackwell. Right. And 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 when we play at the dance and music under the the, the auspices of Marky Starks, mm-hmm. we're going to we're, it'll be me and Kenny Blackwell. Oh, you're going to be, so it's the, the duo thing at Jam. It's Great. the duo thing. Nice. Yeah, and Kenny is a fabulous mandolinist with lots of with lots of bluegrass experience. He played for years with the Laurel Canyon Ramblers with Herb um, uh, uh, Peterson, the banjo player, was the leader of the Laurel Canyon Ramblers. Mm-hmm. And he also played many years ago when he first came from Michigan to California with the fiddler Richard Green. And uh, uh, with David Greer on guitar and, and, and you know, some really high-level um, uh, modern sort of newgrass stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so with Kenny, we play 
Celtic, some blues, some bluegrass, some old-timey, a little bit of Brazilian. Yeah, because you sent me that. really good at that You guys stuff. have a CD together, and it's kind of all <laughs> over the map, and it's a really, it's, okay, the one, the one I have is, mm-hmm. it's kind of all over the, it's, there is Celtic and blues and bluegrass, and it's kind of a mishmash of all these different styles, and it's, I like it because for me, I, you know, I think, I think I, I've heard a lot of instrumental CDs, and if you hear somebody who does a certain style for 12 songs, you've heard it. Yeah, and I like things that go all over the place because I think it's more interesting. Contrast is, is what you want to do on a 12-song set. So that's why he and I started playing together because yeah. I, I I was doing yeah, a lot of solo different singing, backgrounds. And, yeah. and, and, and I said, okay, well, I, I do this a lot on the road and, it's, and, then, and then I don't do a lot of other musics because, you know, because I'm off doing the solo business or if I'm just at home, I'm playing with this electric blues band but those guys don't care to travel so I don't do enough blues on the road I said and I talked to Kenny and Kenny says well I play these bluegrass bands and as a mandolinist that's what they call you for right so he says if we play together we can do whatever we darn want to it's just the two of us it's our business and so that's what we do. Our motto is kind of like if you know if we like it, we play it. Yeah, and I think it's and I think it really it's, made me stretch. By yeah, the and way. I think it's easy to find you know like-minded people to play with. I think it's more interesting, at least from an audience, probably as a player too. I find to play with people that don't play your style of yeah. music typically, and you you find kind of a new common ground. That's why this CD and probably this, the the show at Jensen's, which is going to be at the end of this month when this podcast appears, um, we'll probably hear some Celtic some. Maybe some blues oh, yeah. influence too. Oh, you'll have all of that stuff. Maybe some. Maybe you sing it a little blues. I will definitely sing some blues. And Kenny will sing some old country. He does a great job on deep river oh, blues nice, and, nice. and 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 you know Doc Watson-ish kinds of things. And so he sings some old countryfied stuff, and I sing the old bluesified stuff. And so there's variety right there. Very and, cool. And he's written. We do some traditional and some Celtic and some stuff that Kenny wrote. Inspired by a trip to Ireland that he took, which That's is right. real, very cool. And we do a couple of my finger-picking instrumentals that he put some harmony parts to, and we turn them into guitar, mandolin, duets. I wrote some stuff for, you know, flat-picking guitar that we do together. It's a real, like you say, it's a mishmash, but it sure makes it interesting, both for us and for the that makes audience. Good <laughs> That's the a good other one. thing is that it's forced me to learn... It's forced me to keep up certain skills and learn things about flat picking guitar. Uh, when Kenny says, "Hey, here's this, here's this old timey tuner, here's this bluegrass tune, let's do this," mm-hmm. I have to go home and learn how to play that. Yeah. And it's made certainly made me a a better musician on account of it. It's it's taken me to areas that I I might not. Well, it might even start if you're primarily primarily a fingerstyle guitar player. It's like, okay, where are my picks? <laughs> then you go from there. Well, the thing here's the funny thing about doing a bunch of different stuff if people see me with a blues band they go okay there's he's an electric guitar guy who plays chicago blues music if people see me with kenny they say yeah he's a flat picking folk guy mm-hmm. jack of all trades master of none right if they see me in the midwest someplace playing finger picking guitar they say he's an instrumental finger stylist can't imagine that he could play a jazz standard on electric guitar, but wait, I can. <laughs> sure it is. So, so it. And it goes you know, And I think we all like do that. I mean, people have said, "Oh, have you seen so and so?" And I go, "Yeah, I saw him do X." 
Yeah. And they go, oh, really? We, we saw them do something else. And so I realized that I put people in those same pigeonholes, and I have to be careful about that. I think it's human nature, too. And that's why that's why I think I appreciate it. Whether it's instrumentalist or a singer-songwriter or both, it's, you know, I like seeing somebody do several things. You know, whether you're, you know, you know, playing different instruments or different styles, something to just not play the same thing all night long. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And what I wanted to mention, too, on this interview... on a CD, by the way. Exactly, exactly. My later CDs are much more mixed up than my earlier ones. Yeah, the... Uh, I got tired of playing the same stuff. Right. So why am I putting myself in this... Well, and the, the obvious rule is if it's boring to you, it might be boring to others. You know? That's so, right. So my latest record's got some contemporary fingerstyle originals, and it's got some bluesy stuff, and it's got a couple of jazz standards, and because otherwise I wouldn't care anymore. Right, right. If you got to put these, these same songs a few hundred times at least to go out and recoup your investment on the record and then make, make some living out of it, you want to have songs you want to play. Yeah. You know? I, it's, I think it's pretty obvious to me as a player, if I'm not into it, the audience isn't into it, Mm-hmm. What's the point of this whole exercise? Right. So right. if I can't get on my own bandwagon, they're not going to. And lately, I've been doing a lot. I've been singing blues tunes because I they get they get a kick out of it. No, I'm a woman in Iowa walks up to me and says, "You're not the greatest singer in the world, but I really like the feeling." You Which know, one of these CDs has got blues singing on it. And I right. said, "None of them. I, I don't consider myself a singer." Yeah. And she looked at me like. Wait, but that's not the point. I want to hear it. You know, and it's like, <laughs> so I went, so I went, and I came, so I came, and a woman in Saskatchewan said to me, "Don't come back to Canada until you've recorded some blues songs." So I've now made a well, CD of me singing nine blues vocals and put one instrumental on it with electric guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah, and it's and a really, whole thing live. It's a really fun whole thing with first takes, except for one tune, and 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 you know. It doesn't make me cringe. And we had a ball doing it, and people seem to get a kick out of it. And the CD's called Dorian Michael Sings the Blues, so it's obviously the, the, the CD where you're singing blues songs. And for me, I think the, the blues, too, because talking about that Travis boom-chucka, boom-chucka kind of rhythm that people are kind of, in, it's kind of ingrained in people's DNA, same with the blues. Oh, you start yeah. playing a blues, and people immediately know you're playing the blues. That's right. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a, a rhythmic, you know, choral form that people immediately recognize within the first couple of name that tune four notes. You know, so it works. Yeah, that's what right. I, and there's certain things that are, you know, like musical technical stuff where I could talk about different kinds of intervals and 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 and, and th- certain scales against certain chords that say the blues. And it's a funny thing because when they asked Helen Wolf in an interview, you're like, you know, so Wolf, what's the blues? Well, he says it's when your baby is left you or your you're, you, you, you don't have the money for the rent, or you've lost your job. Yeah, true. But if I play you, like you say, four bars of blues instrumental guitar, you'll mm-hmm. say, that's the blues. That's the blues. I never mentioned anything about my baby leaving me. How do you know it's the blues? It's a certain kind of scales against certain chords that, like you were talking about, it's ingrained in our DNA. Yeah. We hear that as having a certain emotional uh, uh, effect Mm-hmm. And and it is and it, and it and it's American. You don't get the blues yeah. in other cultures. The music has moved to other cultures. They have their own versions. In sure. Spain, the blues is flamenco music. Right, right. right? right. That, that's the Spanish blues. What is it? It's the underdog singing about his troubles mm-hmm. in the poor part of town in Spain. It's the gypsies. Yeah. The gypsies got the blues in Spain because they were treated like. 
people were treated in the South in America. So, but in America, we have what's specifically the blues because it's African music from a certain part of the continent brought to a certain part of the North American continent. It's real Americana. And, 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 and it didn't happen in Brazil. Right. They got a different kind of Afro-Brazilian music. And there's Afro-Cuban music, and there's Afro this and Afro that, but Afro-American music is is specifically to us. You know, and I think as a performer, when you're putting together, when you're doing a set in front of an audience, you can do different styles of music. You can do something jazzy, something kind of esoteric, but I think, I, I almost think in a, in, a, in a set list of mixed styles of songs, doing a blues song is almost like throwing in that cover tune because it can pull the audience back in. That's right. Yeah. And the cool thing about playing in the world of acoustic music audiences, it's different than playing electric pop music. Mm-hmm. When you're playing in the world of acoustic stuff, which is a huge wide thing, it can go from anything from, from playing Duke Ellington tunes to, 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 to playing Mance Lipscomb tunes. But the world of acoustic music is a world where people have ears for an awful lot of stuff. Yeah, the audiences that, that me and Go Kenny go play for, they like all kinds of things. They, they've still got their old Almond Brothers records and their old, and you know, they love their Eric Clapton cream CD, uh, a vinyl from high school, and they're listening to, to traditional music. You know, they 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 know Flatten Scruggs, and they and 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 they know Ry Cooter, and they know BB King, and they those are audiences that hear all this stuff all the time. They go out of their way to have eclectic ears. So we can play eclectic music for those people, and there's a common listening experience between us, the musicians, a common listening history between us, the musicians, and the audience, so that they get what we do, and we don't have to explain so much. Right. The music, the, there are some audiences that that you can't do that in front of. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't usually come to see us because they don't. They don't. They look and they go, mm, mandolin, guitar, folk music. We don't even. We don't know. We don't care. Yeah. So they go to the bar and they ask for the and they ask for those old Credence tunes. Right. And that's just fine. I was just going to go there. But, yeah. But yeah. but when when you play in front of people and when I play in front of people, we're probably playing for people with a like listening history who understand why they've come to see us, even if they've never heard of us before. They see a poster or they see something on the Folk Music Society website and they go, okay, well. We'll go check this out because we, we, we get the picture. We, we understand. You have the blurb that describes what, what you're doing guys and coming from. See it. Yeah, and, and it's true because there's, there's venues and audiences. Some want to see acoustic eclectic. Some people want to go to a bar and hear cover tunes. You know, it's just, you, know, you know who you're playing for, but when you, when you play for a crowd that comes to see you for what you want to do, it's very gratifying. Yeah. It is. And, if and no one's yelling. Them, but, and no one's yelling Freebird in the back of the room. You know? Say that again. And no one's yelling Freebird in the back of the room. <laughs> of course, they still do sometimes. <laughs> Just to mess with you, they do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the bar four doors down. Anyway, it, it happens. But the but the but the the thing is that you can you know if I have some tune that I'm playing and I just that I'm newly interested in, I can go and play whatever it is I'm interested in. And, and 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 be pretty sure that that kind of audience is going to take an interest in interest in it too, and be open to whatever new thing I might be bringing. If I've learned a Swedish tune and arranged it for solo guitar, and I say, hey, 
I'm going to try out my Swedish tune on you all. They're wide-eyed about it. Okay, fine. What would that sound like? Have at it. You know, nobody says, oh, geez, not a Swedish tune. Yeah, and I think they're, they're, they're hip to a Swedish tune. Yeah, what you're going to find is when you do this show at Jansen's Music um, at the end of the month, it's, it's going to be that kind to be of the crowd. 29th of January, by the way. Yeah, 29th. On a Friday night. <laughs> the Friday the 29th. It's going to be way fun. Yeah, that's that's the crowd you're going to get at Jansen's Music. In fact, you're going to play in front of a wall of guitars, very acoustic, open audience. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so. we look forward to it. Cool. Um, so what I'll do is get this together, and I'll put some links up on the website with um, links to all your stuff and shows. And I think it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to finally meeting you. We, we played email and phone tag and talked several times. Yeah. and almost met once, <laughs> but uh, a few weeks ago. Well, if you're going to come to the show on the 29th, you better bring a guitar along with you. Maybe you should be singing one of your songs, and we'll back you up. That's a possibility. We'll have no rehearsal. We'll just mess up your tune for you. Okay, Come that'll be fun. I will do that. Uh, that. That sounds... Uh, I will plan on that. All right. All righty, cool. We'll talk to you soon, then. Thank you. Once again, Dorian Michael with a overview of Travis Style picking Piedmont Blues, a little bit about what he does, and he promised to mess up one of my tunes on January 29th at Jensen Music. Uh, again, his show locally here will be with um, mandolin player Kenny Blackwell. So it'll be Dorian Michael and Kenny Blackwell at Jensen Music on at 1931 Main Street in Watsonville on Friday, January 29th, presented by Jensen Music and our good pal Marky Starks of the Canyon Acoustic Society. Uh, you can find out more about the show by going to... I'm clicking very, very discreetly. Uh, you can call Jensen Music at... 831-724-4798. You can also reach Marky Starks at the Canyon Acoustic Society at canyonguitars, plural, at hotmail.com. And they'll be able to talk to you about how to get tickets for the show and all the information. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, one thing I didn't get a lot into a lot of in this interview, I wanted to mention it really quickly, was that Dorian also gives guitar lessons. He's a teacher as well. And if you go to his site, DorianMichael.com, there's a whole section on instructional DVDs and books. And there's three books in particular on fingerstyle guitar, drop D, Travis style picking, one on blues. There are also two books on open guitar tuning, which I've started playing around with recently. So, Dorian, if you're listening, bring a couple of those to the show. I want to pick them up. Um, once again, if you want to find out more about anything about Dorian Michael, about the show, you can go to my site, michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. And look for the section for Songs and Stories 80. And I'll have links to uh, Dorian Michael's website, his books, his tour schedule, his CDs, as well as links to Jansen Music and the Canyon Acoustic Society. So, once again, this is uh, Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither. Thanks for your time for listening. This is about another, another 40 minute or so interview, so I really appreciate it if you stuck it through this long. I had a lot of fun talking to Dorian, and I just, I have these great conversations with these wonderful musicians that give me their time, and I just hate to cut anything, so I don't. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. <laughs>